Hey everybody, Casey Curry here, episode 16 of Where To Next. I got myself, Kyle Chandler, and Aaron Casada, and uh, tonight we are we're gonna go a different route. We're uh, we're gonna call Johnny Greaves. Uh, he's been a Monster Energy teammate of mine for over 10 years now. Uh, actually, when I signed on to Monster Energy, first race I went to, I didn't even have stickers for my truck. And uh, Johnny actually gave me the stickers to apply to my truck. Actually, funny little story real quick. The reason that if you actually look at all my pro lights and all my short course racing, I always slanted my uh, the M, uh, like the monster claw, on my door. It actually had nothing to do with it looked cool on the truck. It actually is because it was Johnny Gree's Pro 4 sticker, and it didn't fit, and it, we didn't want to trim the M claw. So if I laid it sideways... That was the only reason, <laughs> and from then on, I was like, oh, it actually looks pretty cool. I'm just going to run that, and that's where my slanted M came from. It had nothing to do with the logo. It actually was because when I got uh, logos from Johnny. It was the perfect size. It was the perfect size. So, Or their only size. And uh, literally, that's where it began, so pr pretty well. Johnny Greaves has won many, many championships. He has basically raced in all organizations uh, in short course, you know, came up in the motor world and, you know, from when I started racing until now, he's still one of the craziest, gnarliest competitors out there, uh, you know, from Wisconsin. Uh, when we were racing back east in uh, the Wisconsin area, we'd go back to his place, ride jet skis in the lakes. Did you ever race against him personally? I never raced against him. I raced against CJ. So we had some epic battles uh, in the past, uh, but CJ started racing uh, I don't even know what year he started racing, but he basically got into it uh, when I was probably two or three. I, he was a little bit behind me, but then he went straight up to Pro 2, Pro 4, and then I moved on to some off-road stuff. But uh, he obviously had some major success in Pro 4 as well, uh, winning a championship there. I don't know if he ever won a championship at Pro Light, so we'll have to ask him. But let's get Johnny on the phone and see what's, what he's got going on. Hello. Hey, Johnny. It's Casey Curry. How's it going? Oh, it's going good, man. You're uh, on my podcast with uh, Aaron Casada and my media guy, Kyle Chandler. What's going down, Johnny? Hey, guys. How's it going? How was your drive? My drive up north? Yeah. It, it was awesome. <laughs> Anytime you can get out of the house, it's awesome. That That is true in these days. Yep. So, yeah. so my podcast is all about where to next. I'm not a, uh, you know, obviously we want to know a little bit about Johnny Greaves as past, but for myself, I'm about adventure, traveling, and exploring. And uh, you've got a lot going on. I keep track of everything you've got going on on social media, but obviously you've won a lot of races. You've done a lot in short course uh, racing and in a bunch of stuff. But lately, I've seen you. Obviously, there's a new short course series. I just saw some announcements today, and you also have your own side-by-side -side racing. Wanted to just get a little brief of what you got going on. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, with with the growth of side-by-sides, um, you know, we just recognize the, the need for, like, a, a standalone side-by-side -side series. And nobody was really doing that at, at the level that I thought you could do. And, you know, uh, I think three years ago we did a, a single race and just to see how it would go and touch base with all our sponsors, they all, you know, let's call it pitched in to, to see how it would go. And it went over really well. Um, we live streamed it and had a huge purse and had a great turnout. And, uh, you know, then after that, the wheels started turning and I said to myself, well, you know, everybody says that. You know the side by sides are cool and and they get a they get a great numbers you know entry wise and everything but it's just not what the the fans want to see and you know I I disagreed you know in this area um, people are wanting a little different you know and and the, the, there's a lot more things that they call entertainment you know like just compared to West Coast you know there's just so much going on there's there's concerts and there's, you know, yeah. there's just stuff going on every weekend out here. There's just not a lot going on. Like the summer isn't full. There's music festivals and 
off-road racing and stock car racing. You know, it's it's kind of limited. So I felt there was room for something like this and decided to start my own series. And, you know, we were able to come up with a, a purse that's second to none compared to any other series. And, and uh, it, it's going over great. I mean, um, our, our idea was just to do something different, you know, we call it king of the elements and the reason for that is is we take these things and we do so many multiple disciplines from ice racing to woods racing to short course to flat track on dirt you know um they're just they're just a cool vehicle that can do so much and it's like well why why not showcase what they can do and, and see who can do it all you know and so that's kind of the road we went down, um, and it's going really well. The sponsors like it, the the teams like it, and uh, you know we're getting we're getting great fan turnout. I mean, we're getting two, three thousand people at every event, which I didn't even think would happen. You know, I would I would have been happy for thousand, fifteen hundred people at an event, but uh, yeah. now we're actually starting to look at venues where we can handle more people. That's so. awesome. I, you know, it's funny how you said the uh, side by side. One thing that I noticed is like, I agree when you go to a short course event and there's pro fours and pro twos running, when you put the side by sides on the track next to them, you know, yeah, they don't make the same sound and, and they're not going as fast, but if you don't bring the pro fours and the pro twos, the, the UTVs can put on such a great show. Like for me, we, you know, you go to like the Mint 400, the King of the Hammers, stuff like that. Like, yeah, you get all these Ultra Fours or trophy trucks that kind of just put, you know, uh, more of a shine over over the side by side. But then, like the UTV World Championships, right? It's only UTVs. That I mean, for us on the West Coast, uh, it's the only event that it's only side by sides. And same thing, like it's awesome. It's one of my favorite events that I went to uh, in 2018 when I or 2019 when I went, uh, just because it's it's. There is no trophy trucks to be the, the show. There is no class one buggies. It's just side by side. So every class, every, you know, every division they have, it, it was a blast to be a part of. And for myself racing, like it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what I was, you know, that was my exact plan is, is it's like, it's gotta be standalone, you know, like yeah. you said, you, you, you run a couple side by sides. And, and then there's pro fours or pro twos after that. It, it kind of looks like slow motion, you know, but yep. when you put these guys on the, on the right size track, you know, everything configured based on that vehicle, you can, you can make them put on a really good show and, and you get the right amount of talent and everything. And, and honestly, it's, it's pretty fun. I mean, I never thought I would enjoy just being a spectator and watching it, but you know, I'm out there running it, but I'm also in the infield, and I'm, I, I'm like, getting all giddy inside watching these races. You know, the, the mod guys these days are really getting after it. I mean, they're, they're getting up there and close to pro four times. I think they're they're equaling pro two times. You know, but crazy. I think it's really um, relatable though too. You know, all the people that own a side by side, they can sit there and, and relate. And I think what's even. Uh, where they even uh, is going to help grow the participation is, you know, they're like, oh, I could do this. You know, I, I have my side by side. I can tweak it a little bit here and, and bring it out and, and come and race it. So I think it is a, a really relatable to, you know, the general public that, um, you know, has never been in a, in a race truck before. Yeah, that's totally it. I mean, around here, I, I saw it in Snowcross, you know, when Snowcross first became somewhat mainstream, I mean, everybody was doing it because you could go buy one at your dealership. Anybody can ride a snowmobile, right? So you go buy it, buy helmets and gear, and and you're a you're a snowcross racer, you know. And and it's it's a pretty big series around here, and uh, it got it got so crazy for a while they were turning people away, you know. So side by sides, I see kind of following that same line, but I don't I don't see it, you know, snowcross snowmobile riding racing in general is is real limited right because and you need snow cold. you need cold weather yeah, yeah. a side by side we can do it in the winter on the ice then we can do it all summer there's like zero limitations to these things right now so you know that's where it was a perfect fit for me because you, i have the 
the off-road series that we got to do, you know, from um, June through September. And I said, well, why can't we do this side-by-side series? We'll, we'll start it off in, you know, March and, and, and May, and then we'll pick it up again, you know, in, uh, in, you know, September and October, you know, because it really doesn't matter, you know, and honestly, once, you know, local racing shuts down and all stock car racing shuts down around here, everybody's looking for stuff to do. So they don't mind standing out in the cold or the rain or whatever to watch these things do whatever they, they're willing to do. And honestly, these guys, you know, they'll, they're willing to do it all. I mean, the only thing I haven't thrown in yet is, is, is like a mud pit. <laughs> that might be one of my next tricks. That's awesome. I really like the concept of all the different uh, elements. I, Me too. I think that's really sweet. I, I know Casey was chomping at the bit to come one, one of our races. I was. And he, you were saying you really wanted to do one of the winter ones. And the, and the one we just got done with in March, I mean, we did at a, a you know, it, it's hard to imagine, but there's a, there's a place up here called Eagle River World Championship Snowmobile Derby Track. And this, this place was built just for snowmobile racing on an ice oval. So if you can picture like a, a dog track or a football stadium, you know, wrapped around indoor seating and there's this ice oval, right? And then, so we, we incorporated that ice oval and then we went into the infield and we made jumps out of snow and then we froze them. We covered them with water, you know, for a week and we froze the, froze the snow and, uh, not knowing how it was going to work and it actually held up like for three days you know it wasn't until the very end and it, it got really warm that weekend that it started breaking down but even then it, it was cooler than heck because you know we had we had potholes and whoop-de-doos of, <laughs> of snow because it, it was just breaking down so much it just it made it such a cool event and the fans just loved it that is awesome now as far as your organization i know we talked a little bit about it but i mean do you have to build a full custom race car or, I mean, can people, ra- if I bought a unit or, you know, had brought my K&M, can it, can we run it? Do you have to put a fuel cell in it? Do you got to put a cage Yeah, what on rules it? do you guys uh, abide by or do you just make up your own rule book? No, we basically follow along the same lines that short course racing does, you know, safety guidelines, you know, uh, a decent cage, window nets, seat, good harnesses. You know, it, it's more safety than anything. So, yeah, you can't come out with your, your a brand new stocker, yeah. um, so to speak. But, you know, for $3,000 roughly, you can have a, a cage and seat and belts and, and you're qualified for racing. And in my series, we still allow, you know, working doors, um, which a lot of them don't, don't allow. You know, we just require you to have them fastened shut and, uh, you know, because there's so many guys out there that still use these machines for other things when they're not racing. So, you know, they don't want to be crawling in and out of the window. So, you know, yeah. we still allow that. It makes it cost effective, though, too. makes it easy to get everyone out there. Yeah, yeah. So we did, the one year we did it, we, we started with, uh, we call it Trail Warrior class, and we eliminated the jumps, and it was, it was bone stock cars, you know. Like, if you had a, I mean, stock seats, stock belts, everything. I think the only thing we made them have was the window net, so your arms would fly out and wouldn't let them hit the jumps. And I thought, oh, this will be fine, you know. How, how much trouble can they get in? There was more rollovers <laughs> in that class than there was in all the others. That's so where all the carnage we, comes in. Yeah, we had to axe that class because it got <laughs> a little out of it. These, these trail guys, you know, they're out there in, in jeans and hooded sweatshirts, and they want to win worse than the, the pro guys. How many Yamaha Rhinos did you get out there on that one? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it was it was it was definitely entertainment. So you ever think you'll bring it out west? But, what's that? Do you think you'll ever bring it out west? As far as my series, yeah, yeah i i don't I don't see it anytime soon. I mean, I would love to, honestly. I thought about trying to incorporate something similar to what King of the Hammers is because that's something we can't do around here. I mean, we don't have desert and canyons and cool rocks like that, you know. So, um, you know, that that's in the back of my mind to do that. But that'd be fun. You know, the the one thing 
the one thing I'm very um, concerned about is is you know you gotta you gotta grow the series and and you gotta grow your drivers with the series and it's all got to make sense you know you can't just oh we got a cool thing so we're going to go to texas or california and and uh you know then it it kind of fragments itself so we're, we're just kind of taking it baby steps and working with the the group that we got and you know who knows what will happen in the, in the future if it grows and gets bigger and and uh it makes sense to do something like that I, i'd love to do something like that but so you guys did your right. um, winter race so far, right? And then you had you have two more for the rest of the year. No, we do uh, four total. So we did the we did the winter race. Our next one is is scheduled in June. Um, it's a full blown just regular short course race. Um, whether that's going to happen or not it remains to be seen. We're, we're kind of just still holding off to see what kind of guidelines and where we're at at that point. So I'm guessing we're probably going to have to, you know, reschedule that race, but, um, yeah. And then we pick up in September after Crandon, we go to this really cool, um, dirt track oval that's near us that, you know, quarter mile and the whole thing is banked and we're going to put side by sides out there. And, and, uh, like I told everybody, you guys know me. It's not just going to be an oval. There's going to be something else. <laughs> so, you know, I might put a, I'm, I, I might stack a bunch of junk cars in the middle, and you got to figure out how to climb over them or something. I don't know. But now, do you and CJ it, actually cool. par- participate in race as well? Do I? Yeah. Oh no, no. Um, I strictly just run the series, and and CJ is the same. You know. Um, he would love to be a part of it. I mean, he, him and I go and design all the tracks and lay them out. And like every, almost every track we do, every style racing, we incorporate a split lane because, you know, it's just a, I, I just think it's the coolest thing when you can have a split lane because you always get, you know, two guys dicing. And, and when they come to that, one always splits off and it always ends up being pretty cool. So him and I, you know, work on that really hard, no matter where we go, you know, what style racing is, we add a split lane and, and we take two cars out there and we, we run the track until we get it perfect. You know, a guy can take either or, and they're even, but you know, if you better the guy next year, you come out ahead of them. So, and, and the other thing is it, it just doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem right, you know, to be the owner slash promoter, and yeah. the owner's kid, and you know how that would go. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, his his every time his car passed tech, there would be a bunch of crap. So <laughs> it, it was it's easier just to uh, leave it the way it is and and let these guys do their thing and hopefully build a series to something really big and and uh, go from there. That's awesome. So now, so now on to your. The Pro Four thing. What what is the plan for this year? I see. I see. There's a whole new series now. Yeah. So, uh, a company called ISOC, which is is the owners of the Snowcross series I was talking about earlier, um, they've taken it over, and you know it, it's kind of funny because these guys have been chomping at the bit to be a part of Midwest Short Course for at least four years now that I know of. And for some reason, and I really don't know, they've always gotten pushed aside and somebody else comes along and, and runs it for a year or two and, you know, whatever. They get shoved out or they decide to bail out or whatever the case may be. So finally there's an opportunity here, and I got sick and tired of, of what I feel us keep, you know, kind of doing the wrong thing for for what we are and I, I I called all the tracks and I said I want you guys to at least meet or go on a tele, teleconference with this, with Carl and listen to what he has to say you know because he his snowcross series does really well they got good sponsors they got a good TV package they, they do everything right and and they took that series on after it was failing and, and, and Snowcross was basically going to be gone, you know, the following year if somebody didn't pick it up. 
and a guy named Carl Trubisky, a young guy, I used to race snowcross with him. Um, he took it on uh, with a financial backing from his partner, and and now it's it's super successful, you know. And so here's this 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 group that puts on snowcross races, and you know they have all this equipment and they have their own um, production company and everything, you know, a, kind of a smaller version of what Lucas does, and you know, they don't do anything all summer. And it's, so it's like the perfect fit. And I, I keep racking my head, like, why didn't this happen a long time ago? Because this is an ambitious young guy, and the, the company is there. It's all developed. The sponsors are there. Everything's there. They're a Minnesota-based company, so they're they're right here in the Midwest. I mean, <laughs> how, how much better could you ask for? So it finally all came together, and I'm really excited about it. Um it's too bad that, you know, the pandemic is going on at the same time. This is all trying to develop, but um, um, they're, they're still, you know, super positive. I talked to them the other day. We're still um, kind of leaning towards getting started in June with Crandon. It, it, if it happens, it may be very limited spectators or maybe no spectators. I don't know, but uh, you know, uh, as a, professional racer i just i just let him know that you know we need to go racing casey understands this yeah. i mean we need we need to give our sponsors what they paid for and that that's being on the racetrack so um you know even if it's without spectators we can still do a great live stream you know maybe you charge for the live stream and you uh you know cut cut it cut it up with the with the track or whatever you do what you got to do to get by right now because everybody's got to make adjustments you know we're making adjustments tracks got to make adjustments uh series got to make adjustments we all got to work together and just get this thing back on track so um racing doesn't go away because my gut is if you let it if you let it sit too long they're gonna lose interest they're gonna find other things to do it gives people a, a reason to think of other ways to spend their money and uh, we don't need to let them do that. So uh, we need to just get it going. Well, even with these, like you said, with the live stream, I think it's really cool that um, you know the technology has come so far. And live streams uh, in the past, they they kind of sucked. They they were just really glitchy, and the stream would suck, and so it, it wasn't really appealing to watch. And um, you know, we talked to Dave Cole uh, the other week, and and Dave has done an awesome job with the live stream with King of Hammers. So it's it's cool that. Um, other series are finally starting to, I think, embrace and, and utilize a live stream to, um, you know, get it out there. I think it's going to reach way more people. It's just going to help benefit and grow, uh, grow the sport. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all know that right now, um, you know, your, your phone and your computers, your, your best friend, no, nobody's watching much TV anymore. So I, I think, you, you capture a better audience through live stream and, and more of them. And, you know, it may not be able to produce the Joyce Julius numbers or whatever, but at the end of the day, I mean, let's, let's face it. The most of the sponsors and everything are, are, you know, getting their best bang for the buck through social media and, and anything, you know, computer and phone related and, so it's a perfect fit for live streams. So I, I mean, that's what we do with our series. And the guy I work with, he he tries really hard to make it a lot like a, a you know a Fully TV produced, produced show. show. Yeah. yeah. So no, that's awesome. I, I mean, we're all in the same boat. I agree, and I also agree that you know the times are tough, and the exciting racing it's going to give people something to watch and give something for people to do, even if they're at home and it's a Saturday, you know, it, it is something for people to do and, and not go stir crazy and not, you know, go out and do something stupid or be somewhere they're not supposed to be. So, I, you know, I'm all about it. I hope it all works. So I see one of the tracks there, dirt city motorplex. Are they going somewhere completely new this year? Yeah. So that, that place um, got built last year and it was, it's a crazy story. It was basically a group of sportsman racers um, that got together and they wanted to, you know, the, the sportsman 
typically in this series, we, we had a few um, pro races that were standalone, and the sportsmen would lose one or two events. So they're like, well, what if we have our own facility, our own track, and we can put on our own races? And that's exactly what they did. A bunch of them got together. There was this piece of property, and it's it's literally 20 miles from my shop. <laughs> and it got, it got zoned one year to put a stock car track there, and it never went through. But the, the zoning and the permits were already done. And, you know, one of those guys that lived in that area, you know, made some calls and checked around. And, yeah, it was available. And the, the guy who owned the land is totally a race fan. And so, you know, he basically gave them the land on a super cheap lease, um, let them do their thing, and they, they turned it into this off-road facility. And, you know, when I heard what they're doing and, you know, uh, the passion that was in it, I I got involved and helped them lay out the track originally. And then, um, you know, when my off-road or my side-by-side series started up you know that's that's the first place i thought of so we were their inaugural event last year um we kicked it off and i helped them finish the track and you know it's a it's a smaller footprint for sure compared to a lot of the tracks um it's probably comparable to some of the lucas tracks that are smaller you know so it, it, it's it's cool though i mean it, it's it's literally a club of racers all doing this and uh you know fundraising money and it, it's amazing i mean and you know i go there i rent the track from them and i i get the gate and they get all the the food and beer and and everybody's happy in the end and it works out great so uh, it's it's going to be a cool facility you know we now that they've they've gotten added to the uh the pro series um we've gone out there and made some changes and widened a lot of areas and you know i took my pro floor out there last fall and ran the track and got a feel for you know what needed to change to actually put on a put on a full-blown race so uh we're making those changes now and it's going to be a great venue and and you know it's like i said it's 20 miles from green bay i mean even with our side-by-side race we put on last year which was uh, very short notice and it kind of rained and drizzled all day. I mean, we had, I think, 2,200 spectators stand there in the rain and watch side-by-sides race. So it was was pretty cool. I mean, it's cool that it's that close to Green Bay because that makes the hardest thing about Cranon, obviously for us Cali boys, is that we got to fly to Green Bay and then drive a couple hours to Cranon. That makes it super nice that it's close. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can you can literally stay in Green Bay. It's a half hour drive to get right back downtown Green Bay. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Uh, and it's and it's right on the freeway. It's about the easiest thing there is to find. I mean, you you watch the dirt come slinging off the off the off the top of the hill and almost hits the freeway. So it's uh, it, and and you know it's a small town. It's it's called Lena, right? And it's smaller than Crandon. And this town oh. is just like so so behind this you know they they kind of adopted the going downtown and doing tech and everything and this this little town just eats it up oh that's so, awesome it, it's really cool that makes it way more fun that's super cool that they're getting behind it and supporting yeah, it's it nice when a town gets into it and it's not a nuisance and everyone's picketing to yeah, shut yeah, it down no that's that's one that's one cool thing out there is there's nobody fighting it i mean most of the town are, is helping them do fundraisers to raise money. You know, that it's a nonprofit and, you know, they need money to keep it open and keep it running and, and make improvements. And man, they do a great job. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. That's awesome. So now are you guys going to race just pro four? Are you guys going into any new classes? Um, well, you know, we still got our pro fours. We're, we're doing uh, rentals now with our, our old pro fours, you know, I, I, I have five of them now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, two of them are obviously the trucks that CJ and I race. One is a full-time rental all season. And there's one that's a part-time rental. And the other one is just kind of a backup truck. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're pretty heavily invested in the pro four and you know me, I've been involved in pro four for so long. I, I just, 
I still think it's a badass class. And, and uh, you know, the, the biggest problem with it is, you know, it's got a bad rap. Um, it costs too much and, and you go broke and blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and what I've, what I've done is, is in our area is, you know, I, I find people who are interested and, in, you know, I'll, I'll put them in one of the rentals and, and then educate them, you know, show them what we do for prep and, and show them what the right pieces are. And, and, you know, cause it's, it's easy to get scared off when you look at a pro four and you look at some of the teams, but it really doesn't take that, you know, it's just, it's more of a perception. So, uh, you know, it's been pretty successful. I mean, we have three new guys coming into pro four this year wow. that have came out of mod UTV. And it's just because I've, I've taken them out and put them in my truck and then they, you know, they're, they're from out of town, Ohio, Georgia, Florida, whatever. They'll hang out at my shop for a week and, you know, I'll show them what we do for prep and, and what we look at. And then they're like, this ain't so bad, you know, but if you don't know all that, it's kind of let them get behind thing. the curtain there and they're not so intimidated by it. Right. And, and there's too many people that have, you know, I don't want to say the rich guy syndrome, but that's kind of how Pro 4 was created was rich guys that knew nothing that wanted to be a Pro 4 badass and <laughs> bought a truck, built a team, and just spent wads of money and then went broke in a year or two and had no success. And uh, it's because they just they just didn't educate themselves first, you know? And and you can you can get you can get buffaloed by a lot of people you know, buying parts and developing parts because it is a wide open class. So you kind of got to just stay grounded. There's, there's a, there's a platform out there that works really well and it's very reliable and uh, it doesn't cost a lot of money to do. But if somebody doesn't, you know, kind of walk you through that, you'll never know. And you'll spend a lot of money figuring it out. Yeah, it's awesome. So, do you feel like the you're getting more and more pro fours to come out there and race? I know in the Lucas series right now they're uh, well, they had a problem last year. I'm not actually racing anymore, but try you know watching it is uh, obviously now that you got three more. Does it seem like it's growing? Yeah, it definitely is. You know, and it's it's 100 percent because of the addition of UTVs to our series because you know you get into a the mod UTVs, these are adults that have businesses. They have their own money. They already spend a good amount of money building these badass UTVs. And then, you know, um, everybody thinks they're better than the next guy, right? So <laughs> they want to they want to be the guy to win the, the Crandon Cup or whatever. And the only way you're going to do that probably is in a Pro 4. And, uh, you know, you, you, they start nosing around and you start to get to know these guys and i mean uh yeah it, it that's that's why i put so much effort into you know pushing the utvs and promoting it and because it, it's it's been the stepping stone it's it's actually you know keeping keeping short course um i'm not gonna say keeping it alive but it, it's keeping it it's giving us some growth back here yeah, where we're not awesome. seeing that in some other areas you know our our pro two is is grown in numbers and a lot of those guys graduate out of utv our pro white a lot of guys came out of utv and then like i said three new guys this year just out of utv and pro four that's huge you know so we're gonna have we're gonna have seven trucks you know steady every weekend and then you're gonna come to your your crandons and bark river where you get couple guy odd, odds and ends that only show up for those races because those are the ones they like and i think we'll have a uh consistent 10 truck field at, at you know at least 50 percent of the races which yeah. it's way better to me that's 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 great i mean we haven't seen that for a while so uh, you know it's too bad you you lose you lose one every year and you know for whatever reason we you know scott douglas retired and you, you lose a couple here and there and then it's harder to pick them up, but you know, this year we're, we're picking up some young guys and they already have sponsors and they, they, they have ambition and they're willing to take it on. And 
figured out. So uh, it's awesome. And and like I said, I'm not I'm not afraid to help anybody, educate anybody. I tell every one of them, you know, you got problems, swing by the shop. We'll, we'll tear it apart right there. We'll show you how to work on it, fix it, split the tranny, take apart the front diff. You know, if you got to learn to do it on your on your own, you got to be able to service it on your own, or or it will cost you a lot of money. But uh, once you do it, it it really ain't that bad. Yeah, it's awesome. So now, besides off road racing, obviously you did the King of the Hammer. Now, do you do any other events uh, throughout the year like the Hammers? Is there any other events that you do uh, standalone? No, unfortunately not. I mean, we've actually kind of been looking looking into that because I see they're they're expanding um, their series. They have a I don't know what they call it. They have a, like a, a a swing that comes this way where, you know, I think they're doing both Crandon races and then maybe they're doing one over in Tennessee or something like that. Yeah. Or Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. Ultra four has like different regions. So, um, we're definitely looking at some of that, you know, you know, as well as I do, Casey, it's, you, you, you can't just be a racer these days. You got to be more than that. And, if you're just going to try to be a racer, you better do a whole lot of racing, you know. And, uh, <laughs> Times have changed, um, for sure. Well, I wanted to touch yeah. on that for a minute, too, just hear some of the cool stories. I think that's what, to me, is always fun, you know, having these conversations is, is hearing some of the stories, um, like Hammers, for example, like what what, what, da- what went down uh, at, for you guys for your Hammers uh, race? This year was your second year racing it, right? Uh, last year was our third year, third. so you know we are we are fortunate to kind of stumble on that Yamaha deal, and I had some connections from back in my motocross days with Yamaha, and you know they they got CJ involved in the uh, short course part of it, which has been a great program, um, and then you know they asked if we had ever entertained doing hammers. They they did it once on their own. Uh, call it a semi-factory effort where you know a bunch of engineers kind of put together a car and put a guy out there and and they didn't have very good success and then they asked if we would do it you know and what was your initial reaction to that uh, yeah i think it was like september it was like at crandon they said hey what do you guys think about doing hammers i'm like well you know i obviously i was there i think the second year it ever happened Dave Cole asked me to come out there. This is when I lived out in California. I had a house up there. He asked me if I'd be the, you know, the MC or the, the starting guy. And so I went out there and, you know, waved the, the, the green flag for everybody to take off in the Ultra 4 class and then uh, jumped on my dirt bike and rode all around and watched it. And um, um, it, it, it intrigued me then, but obviously not having any support I wasn't going to go out there on my own. So, like I said, Yamaha came and, like in September after Cran, and they said, "Hey, would you guys entertain doing the Hammers race?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And they're like, okay, it's coming up in February. And I'm like, "You mean <laughs> this one?" <laughs> no, absolutely not. I said, "We'll go out there this February, and we'll just we're just going to hang out and we're going to nose around, look at the equipment." check out the train, see what everybody's doing, you know, just like anything. You don't just, I mean, I don't dive in head first. First I do some research and figure out what's what. And cause I, I want to go there and be successful, not, you know, have a go out there and just look like an idiot. So we went out there that first year and just watched and um, took a lot of notes and took a lot of pictures and figured out what everybody was doing. And um, obviously, you know the the Yamaha. It, it's it's a good machine, but it's limited to what it can do, and they don't have a lot of models like a lot of the other companies do. So you have to take the model they have and and turn it into uh, some sort of desert slash rock crawling machine. And you know, the first year we we did really well, and I think uh, you know. That year, we probably caught some people by surprise where we we built some pretty trick machines, They're put flying. turbos on them, and nobody... You and CJ qualified uh, first and second that year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 
it was a bigger shock to us than it was to you. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> they were on fire. But you know, remember that year? I mean, the, the year the year before when I was out there, I noticed around. I was talking to people, and I know I walked over by you, Casey, and talked to you about your equipment. And everyone's telling me that qualifying didn't mean that much, and you really don't need turbos, and you just you just need to survive the race. And and so we watched the race, and and that's what it was. That those years, it was just survival because it was more people dropping out than ever. And we went back, and I said, "Yeah, but what if we could qualify <laughs> first and get out in front and run in clean air and have?" have a chance to figure this thing out before everybody catches us and so you know we built some short course slash rock calling machines that would haul ass in qualifying and hopefully perform out in the rocks and you know that year we it was very limited the the amount of testing and practice we could do because we're we took one ride out there with some stock machines found out that wasn't going to work and went back and and built some stuff based on our knowledge and and you know, extremely hard to figure out what parts to use for Yamaha because there wasn't much available. So a lot of stuff we had to build. So it took us a long time and, you know, we showed up, qualify one and two. We ran really good, you know, till probably, well, you saw us, Casey, when we took the wrong turn in that, uh-huh. I don't remember what section that was, but we were out on that ledge and there was no way out. And, you know, nowadays I'd look at that and I'd be like, shoot, we'll just, turn around and winch over this and do that you know because now we have more experience but yeah without at, experience at it's hard time, to teach somebody about the hammers that they unless you go out and do it and practice it is one of the hardest races to just go and go fast oh it, it's amazing i mean that that's probably one of my favorite races just because it's it's incredible what you have to do i mean it's not only like so challenging on your equipment but physically and mentally it just it just wears you down you know yeah three quarters of the way through you just want to be done you're like <laughs> i don't care if this this thing can break right now and i'm good i'll walk back 100 you know? every year yeah i was gonna say when you when you first went through some of those rock canyons like what was your um what was your opinion like what were you thinking when when you saw it well here, here's a good story. So we showed up the first time with basically stock Yamahas to test. We had some 30-inch um, Maxxis tires on there, and we took a ride out there. And Dave Cole happened to be um, out there, and he says, um, you know, go over there, Chocolate Thunder, and see what you think of that, you know. And three years ago, Chocolate Thunder was, like, the easiest trail there is, yeah. you know. We went over there. We spent an hour trying to get up chocolate thunder right <laughs> and and he's and we were all proud we got back he's like how'd that go yeah we made it you know, we made it so we're pretty confident and he's like yeah one to ten that's like a two <laughs> and I'm like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> and we're like oh my god and so you know then we got hooked up with some other guys that were more experienced and they took us out to outer limits and stuff and we just we didn't even take our side-by-sides out there. We walked it and went, there is no way these cars are going through there. And he's like, well, you're going to have to in the race, so you better figure it out. And, uh, you know, that's when I figured out how real this thing really was. I mean, it's it's the biggest challenge you'll ever have in a four-wheel vehicle for sure. Yeah, it for me, I, I'm the same way as you. Like, I absolutely uh... – I love hate relationship with that place. Like some years you have the, a good year, the next it's just terrible. You can go, well, like you guys know, you could the desert. You're so fast, it's so much fun. You get like two rock trails in, and it's like the whole world just came down on you. And you can't can't do anything right. And somehow a rock moved the night before, and it made it twice as hard. And that's the other part that I explained to people is like you get in a canyon, and like sure, the day before it was. Chocolate Thunder, everyone was driving up in almost two-wheel drive vehicles, and then something happened that night with the hundreds of people out there thrashing on the trail, and it's like, the next day, it's like, oh, by the way, it's not passable. Like, you're going to have to winch to get through it. Yeah, exactly. So, it was, it, uh, I mean, 
we went back to outer limits last year when we went testing, you know, cause I thought that was the toughest trail. So we went straight to outer limits and, and I couldn't believe how much that place changed. You know what I mean? It used to be that little section right at the very top where there's that big rock in the middle. You had to figure out yep. left or right. Well, now it, it's like, you're lucky if you can get to that part, <laughs> you know? Totally. And it's like, and, and once, the, once you get to that part, that's one of the easier parts because yeah. just getting there was such a challenge. So yeah, it's exactly like you say that there's so much activity out there and everything moves, you know, a, a minute, a couple rocks move and things get dug out and there's new gaps and it's like, it, you don't even recognize it. In fact, this year, when we went kind of, I don't know, remember how we dropped, we dropped in the outer limits kind of off the side of yes. it or something. Yep. I didn't even recognize it. I didn't even know where the hell I was. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah. I was it, like, I'm, I've, I've never seen it like that. <laughs> yeah. It was torn up. One That's actually, uh, one of my, the funny, not so funny stories is that when, uh, the year you, you broke a couple axles while we passed you and then your guy, we saw your guys like the next morning, like, no, no, no. We when we broke, we had to go all the way back to camp, grab parts, walk back down in there, and something about you didn't get out of there till like after dark. Oh yeah, yeah. That was last year. Yeah, I, I made it. I broke an axle early, pitted, changed the axle, and made a charge from the back, and I was actually in second by outer limits and i think after outer limits we only had one more yep one, one more, more section to do and i mean we were like 25 miles from the finish and and i'm in second i passed brandon sims kind of got some a gap on him and uh we got in outer limits and you know that one section where you got to kind of pinch yep pinch between the wall and the rocks there and you know I'm too stubborn to pull in, right? We, we get, we get, we get too confident sometimes, and that's where you guys are, are really smart about that. It's like if you get stuck and you don't get it once or twice, you winch it. Like I'll try it ten times. <laughs> well, that's the tough part. Like you don't want to get out and winch and waste time, but then you're gonna thrash your equipment and end up breaking something. So what's the lesser of two evils at that point? Yeah, that's what that's what, that's my biggest struggle is, like you could run out grab a winch and and throw it around something and probably be through there in minutes but i'll sit there and struggle for <laughs> 10 minutes you know and i, and I end up that. breaking yeah i end up breaking two more axles so i was one wheel drive <laughs> then i can go anywhere and i'm in you know so we're in second and we had a pretty good gap and there's nobody coming for a while but i'm in the you know there's that's the main line up that section. There's not even many good options. And there I am stuck there. And all of a sudden the crowd starts coming. Everybody's looking at me like, get that thing out of there. And I couldn't get it. I couldn't move it. I mean, it wouldn't even, we, we, we almost yanked the winch right out of the frame trying to get out of there. I had it pinched in there so bad. And, you know, by the time we finally did get it out of there, I just got it up on some flats and walked back to a pit, got a ride back to our main pit, had a sandwich and and waited till the race was over and we went back and put an axle put an axle in it and you know we still weren't going to drive out of it forward so we ended up going all the way down um you know no no headlights i had one little tiny light because you know you go well who needs a headlight for this race <laughs> well <laughs> you do when you're trying to get out of there at eight o'clock at night and it gets pitch black and you don't know where the hell you are that was probably the scariest thing i've ever gone through at hammers was just trying to get back oh. it gets so dark and black out there and and you know you're trying to cross cut everything you obviously don't want to be on the follow the race course back you're just trying to figure it out and i, I don't to this day i still don't know that train super well especially in the dark yeah so uh and i'm by myself i i, I told the, the the guys that were with me that helped me fix it I'll just go to the bottom and I'll meet you guys at the top. Well, it took me forever to go down. And by the time I got back around where I thought I was at the top, there was nobody there. <laughs> and uh, so, so I kind of found my way back. But, uh, yeah, it was it was sketchy. I mean, it, it can get serious out there. That's no doubt. I mean, you don't want to 
get left alone out there. Uh, well, then if you need help, like the cell service is so spotty out there to where you can't call anybody to, you know, come and help you. Yeah, there was, there was nothing. I had my phone on me and I couldn't get a hold of anybody. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to dial here. I'm just going to keep driving. <laughs> it, worst case, worst case scenario, one of these, you know, army helicopters will pick me up and put me in jail or something. So. <laughs> That's so funny. And the, the funny thing about that is like outer limits is as far away from Hammertown as you can get and facing the wrong way. So it's pitch black and there is no light on that side. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was scary. I've never seen anything so dark. I mean, that's, that's one thing that amazes me about going to Glamis or the desert or, or, you know, Hammer, Hammer Town or any of that. I cannot believe how dark it gets, how fast it gets dark. Like when it gets dark, it goes black, you know, by us, it, I don't know if we have different stars or what goes on, but our nights are, are brighter. Like you can kind of see, you know, but out there, man, it's black. Yeah. That is funny you say that because yeah, we definitely got a, we had the smog going on for us, but it for some reason when it gets dark out there, you definitely want to be by some light. You mentioned Glamis. Do you guys ever get out there to go play at all? Oh, uh, we used to all the time. I mean, that was uh, I did all the holidays out there for quite a few years. You know, the whole Christmas and New Year's and I don't know all those winter holidays that everybody goes out there. And I used to love just going out there and you know, people watch. I think it's, it's so much fun. What would you take out there? We've never seen it. Uh, well, I started just going out there and bringing my dirt bikes out there. And then obviously you get roped in the, the whole sand car world. And next thing you know, I got a four seat sand car with a twin turbo and popping wheelies up. Oldsmobile. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that place is super cool. I love that place. Cause you know, we have nothing like that. There's no sand dunes in the Midwest. And uh, so to see something like that is amazing. And like to see that many people just going crazy in every direction and, you know, hopefully nobody dies. It was, it was pretty amazing. We talked about Calamus a few uh, episodes ago, but where, so where else do you like to go when it's just leisure, you know, a quick getaway or like a vacay as far as like other off-roading destinations and, uh, other places of interest like that where you guys go ride? Well, you know, around here, um, it's pretty much like, uh, there's, there's, there's trail riding in the woods, you know, for side by side. Never done that. Um, That's on my bucket list. What's that? That is on my bucket list to trail ride in the trees. We just like you said, Glamis, I have never driven my Can-Am in the trees before. We went up to Mammoth um, last summer, and it was that was the closest I've got to going in in the woods and forests and stuff, and that was that was a blast. Well, I don't know if you guys saw, but um, uh, last year at, at Crandon, um, Colby from Method, and um, who's this other guy? They make that they make that book every year, uh, the Dusty Times. Oh yeah, um, tribute book, kind of, yep. right? So they they were asking if I would take them on a tour from like Green Bay up to Crandon through the trails in the woods. And I'm like, yeah, we can do that, you know. So we're arranging all this. Well, then some things got changed and delayed. And obviously, you know how Crandon goes. You got to be up there by Wednesday. Yep. Well, these guys weren't getting in getting in till Wednesday. I said, well, I'll tell you what, boys, I'll leave you a side by side and a map at my cottage, which is you know, probably hundred miles from Crandon, but there's, there's a trail system that will take you all the way there. And it's just a good old fashioned, you know, trail map for snowmobiles and UTVs. And I kind of just circled your start point and circled your finish point. <laughs> and I, I listed all the main, main towns and stuff and uh, where to stop. And, uh, I said, off you go, have a good time. And I, I chuckled, you know, I kind of left it real vague because I wanted them to kind of experience it on their own, right? Not get a, not get their hand held through the whole thing. Just, you, you got to figure it out. And, um, it, it was so cool because, uh, you know, we're sitting there on, on Thursday, all set up and it's the end of the day and we're, I think practice had just gotten over and, and all of a sudden in rolls this, this UTV with, uh, 
with Colby and his buddy and, and they made it and they had, they had some awesome stories to tell and had so much fun and, you know, documented the whole thing and put it in that, that dusty times edition this year. Was it Boyd? But, was it Boyd or Jason? From... Yeah, Boyd. That's it. I'm okay. sorry. No, yeah. I, no. Cause I'm like going back to the social media in my head of like, I remember somebody talking about an epic UTV trip or, you know, with your, in your Yamaha, uh, through the deal. Yeah, yeah, that was the deal. So, yeah, I sent them on their way, and, and they had a great time. But, you know, they couldn't believe. They're like, man, the trails in the woods are groomed. You know, there's bank turns. I'm like, yeah, they, they groom them, like, every three days. They got these big tractors with these trail groomers, and they drag them through there, and they, they make the trails perfect. And those guys happened to hit. It was kind of drizzly that day, so oh. the trails were moist. There's no dust, and, you know, there's a lot of, sand and black dirt just that perfect dirt and they you know there's waterfalls and creeks and all kinds of cool lakes you go by and so that they had a blast epic but, so yeah. what so, so how long can, right now we're oh dude i want to come back there and drive bring my uh bring my can-ams to go do some trail riding with you guys yeah well you don't even need to bring one we got we got all kinds of machines we uh good friend of mine owns a can-am dealership directly across the street from my shop so i'm sure we could we could hook something up but it's just something you'll never you'll never experience anywhere else because these these trails go i mean you can go 100 miles or you can go four or five hundred miles and never see the same trail and it's just it's all woods and it's just cool you know i mean there's all kinds there's 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 some rock trails i mean not like rock trails you're used to seeing but there's some rock trails and there's sand trails and there's some really cool wide open they call them fire lanes where there's roads through the woods that they put in there just in case there's forest fires that you know it's like rally car racing you're just drifting through the woods as fast as you can it's it's so much fun so awesome we do it we do it we do it year round i mean as soon as it we get a bunch of snow and ice we put our studded tires on and we're back out there on the same trail. Yeah, that's awesome. That is, oh, so you actually do, are you allowed to ride? I've never, obviously we don't have snow tr- uh, trails or anything, but can you drive uh, UTVs on like the snowmobile roads? Yeah, yeah. So Oof. in the winter, there's certain snowmobile trails that are open to both UTVs and snowmobiles. And, and uh, they're, they're a little more limited because, you know, for, obviously for UTVs, they got to be a little wider. Yep. And you meet you meet a snowmobile coming at you, you know, it gets a little hairy. But, uh, yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're groomed, packed snow trails. And all, you, you know, all it takes is just a little little tiny studs in your tires just so when you hit, hit some bare spots or some ice, at least you got some traction. But it's so much fun. It's like rally car racing. You're just... You're just backed it in every corner and sideways and just, I mean, hauling ass. It isn't, you're not bogging through snow. I mean, the snow is packed down. You're hauling ass on it. That is awesome. That sounds so much fun. Yeah, it's probably more fun than riding in the summer. It's just, you know, it's cold, but, you know, our machines now, we got full cabs and we got heaters and we even got heated seats. And, I mean, you're actually out there. In jeans, tennies, and not even wearing gloves, and it can be like, you know, zero degrees out. That is, I actually rode my the first snowmobile ever uh, this winter, and uh, it was freezing cold, and I was not prepared like that at all. But it was epic. Like the the snow riding is so much fun. So I need to uh, get out and do more yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, you definitely. I mean, you you need to know all the tricks to be out in the cold, especially if you're going on a snowmobile or UTV with no enclosure you know but if you, if you know all the right equipment to wear and it, it's actually it, it's very comfortable and really enjoyable yeah that's awesome so we never got back to where you actually go and ride we went on a tangent there so wh- wh- where's your uh, where's your jam when you uh just go out and want to go riding so we we pretty much uh, so our cabin is probably halfway in between uh green bay and crandon it's uh, a little area called uh um, High Falls. Um, it's near Crivets. I guess Crivets would be the biggest little town or village near here. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, we're out in the middle of the woods and I mean, we, we leave right out of the garage and we're right on the trails and, you know, that's what we do all the time. I mean, I'm on lake, so if we're not, you know, wakeboarding or, or surfing or something, we're, we're on the UTVs hitting the trails and, you know, there's on the trails, there's, there's signs telling you where everything is, how far you got to go, where gas is, where every mom and pop little, little bar and restaurant is, you know, so it's just, it's cool. I mean, you just, you get a group together and you go ride and you stop off at these little joints and have some food and continue on. So, yeah, we got a, we got a group of probably, I don't know, eight to 10 cars coming up tomorrow. And, uh, the trails just open again tomorrow for the first time because between winter and spring, they shut them down, uh, for one month. It, it, it's for the, the thaw. So, basically let the frost get out of the ground and let the ground harden up again so you don't tear it all up so uh, this will be the first day that the trails are open and so i'm sure it's going to be busy but uh you know everybody's jones going to do something so, absolutely you know, we're we're part of that that's awesome now will you guys have to carry fuel or is there spots where you can uh you know stop and gas up and get something to eat get a drink or how does that work yeah no you can you can find gas and food anywhere you want i mean all the streets up here i mean you get just north of my shop in green bay and pretty much every road is is legal to drive a a utv on so you know you can pull off the trail and jump on a road and head down to a gas station or restaurant anywhere you want so but like i said a lot of the trails will lead you right to these places and uh it's it's more fun. I I like staying in the woods. I don't I don't even get, most people buy UTVs and they just run around on the roads everywhere. I'm like, well, you can do that. You pick up truck. <laughs> get out get out in the woods. That that's where it's really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, dude, we uh we appreciate the time with you, Johnny. Uh, you've got a lot of cool stuff going on, and obviously we need to come back and drive some. Uh, UTVs yeah, it looks like you're gonna woods. become a tour guide here pretty soon too. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Well, you guys should definitely uh, earmark some time on your calendar. You know, if you're going to come to Crandon yeah. or, or something back here, give me a heads up and we'll do a little uh, monster group ride and we can leave from my cabin and end up at Crandon. And I'll, I promise you it'll be a ride you'll never forget. It's, might, it's so might much have, fun. Come out, participate put, in that race and then stay a couple extra days and uh, yeah, check we out. We might have trails. to put that on the calendar. So I'll. Uh, We'll definitely look at that because that sounds epic. So, well, thank you, Johnny. We hopefully you uh, have a kick-ass season. And, uh, man, I hope the uh, UTV and the new organization go off with a, without a hitch. And hopefully coronavirus gets uh, over. Uh, you know, we I love short course. Obviously, it's my background. So, And uh, you being a champion all those years, we uh, I hope it keeps moving on and, and the sport gets healthier. So, Yeah, I hear you. I, I appreciate that. And, uh Good luck to you. I know you're you're a busy man these days. You're doing a lot of stuff, and congratulations on the guitar thing. That was awesome, man. I I was following you every day and, and cheering and wishing I could be out there. That looks so cool. Does that does maybe, the maybe, car sound fun to you, Johnny? Oh yeah, that that'd be awesome. <laughs> Actually, it's funny because Toyota brought it up to me one day. Um, it was probably two years ago, and there's some team out there that I could have hooked up with, but. You know, you watch that thing, and, and I saw what Casey went through his first year. and It's such a struggle with communications and everything, yeah. and I'm like, man, I just, I, you know, I'm not I'm not ready for that because, I mean, obviously this year you were so much more prepared and you had you had the right people and the right team, and, and that's when things work out, you know, and um, it, it, it would be awesome to be able to, shortcut straight to that <laughs> everybody's got to go through the learning curve you know so we'll see maybe someday but uh yeah i think it's great what you guys did appreciate and, that uh, well if you ever want to come out uh, uh, if you ever want to come out to california well when you're out here uh we'll have to go on a side note we can go do some road books and uh we have all the we have all the equipment so if you ever want uh dude put that on the calendar please come out and uh, i literally have road books we have all the stuff to put in your car and, uh, man, we can show you uh, a good time and you can actually 
that's one thing I'm all about. I'm a true believer that you got to feel it and see if it's something you like to do. Uh, and so, yeah, if you ever want to come out and try it, dude, we got, we got everything to do the job. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the invite. No, we'll see where everything brings us, but yeah, I thank you guys for having me on. It's, it's cool. And looking forward to it. You got it, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Johnny. All right. Thank Later, you guys. Bye. Yeah. Well, Johnny is a uh, dude. He has it done. Looks like a we lot. got some new hotspots to go check right? out, man. Every time I think we're gonna do this, I got new ideas, and uh, my brain is firing on all eight cylinders. So, dude, he is a fantastic guy. Him, his wife, uh, his son. I mean, even his daughter. They do a fantastic job racing, supporting. You know, the series, all their partners, everything they do. I mean, they are one of the best teams in the industry, and like, he's very family oriented. He, you know, treats everything. He's got a lot of passion for the sport. And uh, it's cool seeing what he's got going on. And obviously he captivated on the UTV market at a great time. Um, I feel that what he's doing with UTVs only uh, is something that I'm a true believer in. I think that you put the UTVs in a market where there is no other trophy trucks or class one buggies or, you know, pro fours or pro twos. And I, I think they can shine. So I'm a true believer and supporter. I've even told him that, man, if the schedule works out and there's open weekends, like first I want to race my uh, Can-Am in the snow. I want to go out and tread and see if that's a possibility to uh, have fun out there when it's cold. And uh, but at the same time, uh, come out in the summer and, and try, you know, some of those other races. We lo I love racing anything. So, you know, he's got a good thing going. Well, even as a as a racer himself now putting on races. So now he's going to under like putting on races from a, a racing perspective, I would imagine like it's got to be a, a perfect like system right like he cares about the racing he cares about the racers he knows how to put on a, a good event like it's got to be killer exactly yeah. so no i think he does a great job so well hopefully coronavirus ends soon uh i have i have some more ideas on this whole podcast thing of you know bringing on some other racers if you guys have any ideas out there let us know we uh we want to get some more people on we got some fun uh for me some of my friends uh, a lot of professional athletes out there that you know, I want to know where they're going, what they're doing next. It's exciting to hear. And uh, for right now, this is episode 16. Listen for episode 17 soon. Aaron and Kyle, thank you guys for joining, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. See ya.